I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the life and legacy of chinks. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and Lisa Evers Live on Snapchat. And what we're focusing on right now is a big picture look at the life story and the musical legacy of Chinks, as well as the ongoing investigation into his unsolved murder. It was just about two years ago that we lost the rising star and French Montana protege Chinks. When he died, so did the hopes and dreams of many aspiring rappers who hoped making music would give them a new life away from the streets and that they could follow in his footsteps, not to mention the fans his fans who were devastated by this loss. Let's take a closer look at Chinks with our amazing panel that we have. We're gonna look at a lot of different angles on this for you in this episode of Street Soldiers. Hot 97's own DJ Camillo. He, uh, you hear Camillo commercial free from four to 6 p.m. every day. He's one of the heavy hitters DJs and he also has the DJ Camillo app. So even when you're not listening to him four to six, commercial free. You can hear him on the DJ Camillo app. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank Great you. Great to have you. Warning. Warning. <laughs> Warning. Okay. Warning. Also with us is Janelle Caceres Pickens. She is the wife of Chinks. She's also a mother of three and she's the founder of the Lionel Pickens Foundation. And Janelle has been speaking out and fighting for justice for her husband since the moment that this happened. And Janelle, great to have you back on Street Soldiers. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Darren Porter. He's a criminal justice professor, former NYPD lieutenant, and a hip hop security specialist. Dr. Porter, thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having me. And being with us, we appreciate it. Janelle, let me start with you with, in terms of, you know, when you come up to this anniversary, the two year mark, where are you in the family right now? How are you doing? Um, basically just picking back up the pieces. You know, I, I still have to maintain a household and raise the three children, so there's no time to sit and waste. Um, we're still fighting with the case. I speak to detectives on a regular basis. You know, they've come across some things, some leads that they're following. Um, they're, they're hoping to close it out sooner than later. I, I don't think this is one that's going to be swept under the rug. And par part of that reason is because even when you were in shock and grief just in those days right after this happened, you came to the microphones on Hot 97 on Street Soldiers, spoke out and talked, wanted people to really know. And I'm, I'm sure you were getting bombarded by phone calls from his friends and fans yeah. and, and everyone. Why did you feel it was so important for you to speak out? Um, because we need justice for him. Uh, this isn't something that I am going to allow to just be forgotten about, you understand? Um, I think the closure for his family, his kids, myself, his fans, is something that we all need. You know, he didn't deserve what happened to him, and somebody needs to be responsible. And for people that are, are, are meeting you for the first time and hearing you for the first time on this show, tell us where you and Chinks were at that time as a couple and as a family when this happened because you were in the process of making a lot of positive changes. Yes, we were. Um, you know, we were just figuring things back out with the family, um, trying to get things right. Uh, he was in the process of actually finishing his first album. He was a couple of months away from finishing his first album and that was our plan to move our family away from, I guess you would say, the hood and move to a better place. You know, he was doing a lot of traveling. He was headlining a couple of shows that were supposed to be coming up. So he was working. He was working, and we were piecing everything together. And then this one day that he had a show, probably, I think it was like, there was like a three-week gap between the night he was murdered and the last show he had did. And 
the night that he went out for his first show after three weeks he didn't come back home that's when it happened and how do the uh, how do how are the kids doing they're doing well I, I thank God that they're doing much better than I predicted you know it's sometimes some days it's harder than most especially you know when it comes to school because they are children and they don't understand why this has happened they just know it has and they know it's something that they have to deal with but you know there's times where I I do go through things with them and their their reasoning will be I just I miss my dad like I want my father especially my son you know and he's only six so he doesn't understand when this happened he was four and he's been giving me a run lately and it's you know it's not in a bad way but there's just things that he says that's just a little spooky sometimes but you gotta let him have that because if if that's what he says it is then that's what it is but you know, he misses his father. He doesn't understand. And any concerns for your safety? Because I, that was the other thing that, that amazed me about how dignified you've carried yourself throughout all this and just how fearless you've been because that person who did this is still out there. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, the detectives and the police will catch him soon, but that person is still out there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just something that you think about because you don't know. Right. So it can be closer than you think, you understand? So it... it it is a worry that you have. So for that, I, I stay private. I stay very private. Um, I'm not on the scene much. I do what I do with my kids, and I, I'm home. I go to work, go to school, and I'm home. And take you care know. of the kids, That's which is more than enough Enough right there. Camillo, in, in, ter- in terms of where Chinks was in his career, because right. there were a lot of people that were like, wow, the interest, the, the they, some people didn't realize how much support and popularity he had until this happened. Yeah, he was at the point where, you know, he was going through his boot camp. I call it boot camp because every artist is trying to grow. And, you know, his affiliation with French Montana and the Coke Boys, he was going through that boot camp, going to clubs, nonstop freestyles, going to um, radio shows. I saw him working, moving constantly. I would see Chinks about once a week. And this was not because we were going to link up. This because he was working. He would show up at the club where we were at. He would hosting, performing. And um, it was such so shocking to me because I was in Atlanta when I heard the news. And I heard the news through Instagram, which, you know, Everybody. it was 7 in the morning. I was on the way to the airport. And I said, R.I.P. Chinks. That hit me. I was like, this is Wait ran- a minute. Random. And also very random because I never heard Chinks being in problems. He always had that Right, happy. there was no drama. You, you didn't hear about fights. You didn't hear about drama. All you heard was that he was working. And he was like a happy soul. You always saw him smiling. You always saw him working. I said, this is left. Like, you didn't see him in in trouble, you know? So, um, yeah, he, was in, he definitely was on the way up. And me being from Queens, him being a rapper from Far Rockaway, you know, we were always with that Queens. Chinks, right, that Chinks flag up always in the air. We wanted to see him win so bad. So bad. Exactly. Darren, and for, artists, for artists like Chinks and artists that are coming up in the game and, and achieve a, a, a certain amount of notoriety, how much of a target do they become just from haters and from you, the hey, wannabes? You, be, you, you become an instant target. Once your music gets on the radio, more and more people hear who you are 
and your name becomes universal. And oftentimes you have artists that kind of want to maintain some level of a stronghold to their roots, such as, you know, he was from Queens, he wanted to have that relationship with, pe with people from Queens. And oftentimes they will travel without security. I know you have, a, you have a different dynamic when it comes to the security. You have a lot of people that say, hey, look, you know what? I'm going to stay in the street without security because I want to show that I'm a real dude. I'm not saying that that's what he was, but you do have a component within the hip-hop industry that feels that also, way. Also, and then to have a bodyguard with you like 20 all the time. I mean, that's... And then you have the other side that realizes, look, you know what, I'm transitioning into a different place. There are additional responsibilities that come into play with my meteoric, with my meteoric rise of success. And I just think that he was somebody that was at that fringe, whereas he was ready for it. He should have had it. But I guess his management team didn't introduce it to him. And tragically, he lost his life as a result of such. All right. We're going to take a short break. Um, this is Street Soldiers. We're talking about the life and legacy of Chinks. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. What it do? This is Kevin Gates, and right now I'm kicking it with Lisa Evers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. What we are focusing on in this episode, the life and legacy of Chinks. Joining us for this conversation, our one and only Hot 97's own DJ Camillo. You can hear Camillo commercial-free yep. weekdays 4 to 6. Um, you can hear him 24-7-365 on the DJ Camillo app, and he's also one of the heavy hitters DJs. Camillo, great to have you. Thank you, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for being with us. Also with us is Janelle Caceres Pickens. She is the wife of Chinks, a mother of three, a working mom of three, and the founder of the Lionel Pickens Foundation. Janelle, great to thank have you. you. Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a criminal justice professor, a former NYPD lieutenant, and a hip-hop security specialist. Camilla, let me come back to the lifestyle for artists because I hear this, sometimes we have these debates in the newsroom and then kind of people become educated about what it takes to become an artist. You really can be out at two o'clock in the morning working. Absolutely, I mean, I, I feel like you have to be. You know, um, coming up, you have to touch everybody. And Chinks was a person who was very reachable. He used to love to touch his fans. You know, he wasn't a person where, yes, he rolled with five, six, seven, ten people, but he wasn't with large amount of security. You know, you couldn't you couldn't get at him. He was more like that street guy that everybody loved. He was very reachable, humble, very humble. I wanna say Chinks by far was one of the humbler artists of New York coming up in a the game. There was no bouginess about him. You know, he was a straight up street New York rapper. Do you think that's why people, so many people related to him so much? Because it re people that, so many people that didn't know him, you know, that were fans, but obviously hadn't known him personally. Well, Janelle, maybe you should answer this. They, they just felt like, it, it was like a personal loss. It was like, that's my brother, man. Yep. That's it. it was like, they were so identifying. Like, it was almost like every success he had, every milestone that he made, you know, every airplay, it was like, that was their joint. That was their career that was becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Absolutely. What about, what, what, is, what was it about him? Absolutely. Um, he just had that charm. He had that gift of charm, you know. He was always smiling, big old smile all the time. He was very friendly, you know. He wasn't, like like Camilla said, he wasn't bougie. So he was okay with mingling with whoever was around him. And he shook your hand and he took pictures with you and he cracked jokes and he was that he was that person. I so, think him being around French Montana a lot, you know, <laughs> they, they, they both kind of like, you know, they're they happy people. They vibe, right. yes. Yeah, they definitely fed off each other vibe, but he's always been like that. Like you know, he was, he was the jokester of the family, and uh, amongst his fam, uh, his his friends, you know, that's what they know him for. 
to be the the one who's always joking, never serious. Like it take a lot to to piss him off, you know. Right. And even then, he was a person that if he just if he didn't deal with you, he didn't deal with you. You know, he wouldn't be around you. There was no faking or no in between. There was no negative vibes. That's mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. Period. And, and once again, that's why for me it was so shocking because like out of all people, him, mm-hmm. I didn't get it. It didn't it didn't click. It was random, mm-hmm. real random. D- Darren, what about that? Because it, there are there are like Camilla said, there, there's some people you hear, you know, in the business and in the industry, and they're like, wow, he's got some serious bringing some serious drama with him or he's got some some street yeah. issues that are like ongoing and you know that that could have a negative impact and bring a really bad you know some some really bad uh, situations but what 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 about that how important is it I worked in the industry for 10 years providing security for a multitude of different artists and one of the first things that I saw were the people that are closest to you are the most difficult to separate from and in addition to that they can be the most dangerous we don't know who the suspect is in this particular case but it really you it really um mends itself on having proper management and you really need to have a, a sense of alertness in terms of who's around you. Oftentimes, you have a lot of these people you have to cut ties with. If your goal yeah, but this is... Wasn't a cave. This didn't happen in the club. He was no, in the no, car we're not talking about we the were, club. Right. I'm talking about in general. Right. You have to cut certain ties that you have with certain people. You can't save everyone. You can't save everyone. So when we take in consideration security, one of the things that I was tasked with oftentimes was not only securing the artists, but separating the artists from a lot of these people that, that were close to them. You had a lot of these people that would come up to the artists, hey, look, I know you from way back when. Can you hit me off with two stacks? And, you know, a lot of times the artists may want to be nice people and say, look, you know what, I'll give you 2000 But these things happen over and over and over again. And so that one time you say, look, I can't do it, that's when people say, yo, this person's a problem. He's not real to the game. Now they become your enemy. So how do you isolate and protect yourself from these elements? This is something that happens with all artists that are coming up. But what about in terms of visibility? Because it, it's like you, yeah, if you're at a high profile event, of course there's gonna be security. Security there, is like, paramount. That's one of the things. But, w- w- but what about like him? He's coming home from an event, he's on his way but home. I drove people, I dropped people off in the- night. And he and, had and security that, at the that event. But that was the downfall at his, of his, that was the downfall of that night was that he always had his own personal security who were armed at all times. And the problem is, is that this night, instead of listening to security and letting them follow him home as they did every night when he came from the club to make sure he wasn't being tailed, to make sure that he got there safe, he told them he was good, he's going home. He felt like, I'm 15 minutes away from my home, I'm good. I'll get there. I've had that happen numerous yeah. times, and I always follow people home. Yeah. I just may—I I may not have sat in your car with you, mm-hmm. but I made sure that you got home the right way. And many times people didn't even see me behind him, but I ensured that my client got home safely. No, Camilla, what about in, in terms of the atmosphere too? Because the late night, you know, you're in the clubs all the time right. too. It's like as like after two a.m., it kind of get things get a little different. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's New York. Right. Um, going back to the hood, it's not it's not safe ever. It's five in the morning, four in the morning. You always got to watch out. Um, but I do have to say something. You know, this area where it happened. I'm from Queens. I know this area well. It's by the courts. I know there's a lot of cameras on that boulevard. You know, I'm just, I was shocked that, you know, this happened to an artist, okay? And on Queens Boulevard. Well, it actually was at the intersection. Yeah, right. off block of. Right. right. It was a, it was it's on the inter, it was on actually on the intersection. And it was as he was at a stoplight 
there was a stanchion, a construction stanchion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which we reported, and the the shooter, because a lot of people initially, we all thought it was actually right on Queens Boulevard, because we're like, oh, there's cameras everywhere. Right. Why can't they see something? But it was on the street, the intersection coming right into Queens Boulevard, stopped at a light, there's trees on one side, there's no cameras right there. Mm -hmm. There was a construction, those temporary construction yeah. barriers, mm -hmm. and then the, the police told us, um, the detectives told us that the shooter got out oh, of the car behind mm. him and came up to the window yeah. and then shot into the window there. Yeah. And somehow, they don't know how, well, you know, the car thing, got over to where the Dunkin' Donuts was on Queen's right. Just from a procedural perspective, not to cut you off, but this happened, you have the least number of people on the streets, the pedestrian right. traffic between 2 and 5 a.m. You have your lowest number of pedestrians. Generally speaking, you have innocent bystanders can see and report something, coupled with the NYPD has night watch working from after after 1 a.m. From 1 to 6, you have night watch detectives that are working. So you have limited resources that are addressing this. Now, I'm not saying that the police department is not put not ramping up their horses to solve this. But just Darren, on that I think night. They've been on it like nonstop. Yeah, but what happens is the further away you get from solving something, the more difficult it becomes. We're two years out. It becomes harder and harder to get people that can inject the recollection on what they saw your best um you, you you can solve cases quickly quickest after the um after the first 72 hours the first 72 hours is usually when you ramp up and you get the most information people have a clear recollection of what happened Darren, when honest, you go two I'm years i'm going to disagree with you even though that's your department i'm going to disagree disagree with you because i think they they had a lot of people out there by that by sunday afternoon there was a high profile it was pretty obvious i think with the amount of, of police that were there that they knew that this was a big deal well, well, no, Bob, no, but what I'm saying is, want, in, they did not want a bystanders are huge. If you don't have pedestrians that see oh, what happens, no right, right, exactly. And that's what I was telling you. Between two and five, right. you have a very limited pedestrian traffic flow. Camilla, that's true. That that area, right? And, well, that area, you know, I was convinced. I said, you know, they're gonna catch these guys. This this is five blocks away from the courts, right? You know, in my in my. That's you know, what I thought too. Right, I'm thinking there's a million cameras out there. They're gonna backstep, see what cars would you know. They're gonna catch these guys 100. percent And then here we are, two years later. I'm just like, mm -hmm. what if this was somebody else? What if this was, you know, a cop that got shot? You think maybe they would have caught him a little? We, you, we they also might have, have to but remember I think the, the problem is people are not. Well, we have to take we have to take a short break. But I also want to talk about the uh, what some people call hip hop's code of silence. That a lot of people did not want to talk. A lot of people did not want to get involved in the investigation. We'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Hey yo yo yo, what up? What up? It's the infamous Mob Deep prodigy right here. You know what I mean? And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics. You know what I mean? and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on the life and legacy of the hip hop artist known as Chinks. It's about two years since he was murdered in Queens. So far, there have been no arrests. We've been reassured by the NYPD that they are very actively investigating this case. And we have a great panel to talk about all aspects of the case, as well as Chinks' music and his life. Joining us, DJ Camillo, Hot 97's own. Uh, Camillo is commercial free the commercial free mix every day from four to six you can hear him 24 7 365 on the dj camillo app he's yep. also one of the heavy hitters djs great to have you thank you lisa awesome happy to, to be here 
Um, also with us is Janelle Caceres Pickens. She is the wife of Chinks, mother of three, and the founder of the Lionel Pickens Foundation. And since this happened, almost from that very day, Janelle has been fighting for justice for her husband and has not given up. And Janelle, it's great to have you with us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Also with us is Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a criminal justice professor, former NYPD lieutenant, and a hip hop security specialist. Let's talk about the location. The location wasn't, we thought, Camilo, I thought the same thing when I first heard Queens Boulevard, yep. which was what the initial reports and, were. And right by the courts, I'm like, all right. They, they're gonna have this guy by 10, the 10 o'clock news, exactly. this guy will be in handcuffs. Yep. But then come to find out, it, it was, was actually 84th Drive. 84th Drive, which is a dark street. Janelle, you've yes. been there. Yes, actually, um, the night it all happened, we actually went back out there at night, about 2, 3 in the morning, just to see what the scenery is like and try to piece it together ourselves after we were told what we were told by the detectives who were on the scene. And it is a very dark block. I don't know what it looks like now, two years later, but at that time, there was a lot of construction. There was construction barriers. Um, there was one street light with trees, a school across the street, and a library. It was very hard to see anything, and I doubt anybody was walking down that street at that time. She said schools and a library. Like, I'm thinking cameras. Yeah, oh, I felt thinking. the same way. But I they're the set back way. off the... They're set back off yeah, the... I felt the same way. I'm like, there has to be some form of camera footage in this area. Um... You know, we, we haven't been confirmed if there was any footage captured off that camera, but, you know, uh, detectives did advise us that from the ballistics of the shell casings, that's how they knew that from the red light, there was the first couple shots that rang off at the red light, and he proceeded to drive. And they got out the car, which is right where now the, barri the barricade starts with the construction, and they emptied out the rest of the clip into his car. His window was rolled about halfway down, and he had a passenger with him at the time who stated they heard the first shots ring off, but they were listening to the music. They didn't know what it was. They both looked at each other like, what the hell was that? He said, and then immediately, a second later, he they heard the next shots go off, and he just heard Chinks screaming, and Chinks fell over as far as like I guess shielding himself like trying to that's duck what and the guy's name was the, known as Yemen cheese yes and that's what he said he said Chinks saved his life by whether he you know falling over him like that otherwise he would have been hit he would have been hit and killed too yeah well he was actually hit he, I think, believe he was hit twice right. but his shots weren't fatal right he, sur he survived Darren what about that in, in terms of the when there's when there's very little surveillance video or it's dark guy has a hood on or guy has a hat on is covered up can't see those are difficult cases to solve however you, you have to extract from many different areas one of the things is we did have a person that was shot that can give somewhat of a description although he says that they were hooded in addition to that a license plate i don't believe that they came up with a plate but there are traffic cams that do line Queens Boulevard. Right. So if the car came through 84 of the drive, the car had to, I'm sure the car went down Queens yeah. Boulevard. So my mind right. keeps, So So you got to keep this in mind. A lot of this stuff is not going to be introduced to the general public in connection with the investigative steps because they want to catch this person. Granted, we're going two years. It's an arduous process. Some homicides take longer than others. I mean, I'm ashamed to say we look at the, the death of the notorious big. We think about Jam Master J we think about um, what happened with Tupac's. It seems like it's a precedence for these these um, these homicides within hip-hop, whereas we haven't had anything and nobody solved. nobody wants to talk. However, 
I when I look at something like this, I genuinely believe in my heart that this one will get solved. Camilo, I really do. Camilo, and, and also too, those are from a different era. There were no surveillance cameras, not to the extent that they are now, traffic cameras in those earlier hip hop murders. Right, and people, I'll tell you, people didn't this have is camera phones. Another right. thing, another thing I wanted to point out. Um, oftentimes, the narcotics bureau, they'll do. They have a they have a narcotics homicide team that works in every borough. And what they'll do is they'll go into different neighborhoods and they'll buy drugs from people in the neighborhood because people talk. As time progresses, people talk. And what they'll do is they'll buy into people and then they'll flip these people and they'll get information. Oftentimes you hear these terms, a jailhouse snitch. Somebody, somebody's incarcerated on an unrelated charge and they're looking at 25 to life for one thing, but it's like, hey, look, you know what? I can pass you this on a platter and get a reduction in crime. What they so, would call uh, get, a Get a re reduction in my sentence. What they would call a confidential CIs or confidential informants, we refer to that as a proffer agreement. And that's what I see is going to happen. I believe narcotics homicide, because this is Queen South, I believe that they've already hit this neighborhood and bought from people. In addition to that, you have in every precinct, you have an intelligence sergeant. That intelligence sergeant sits down with people that are arrested and elicits information as to what do you know about these things. All the precinct, uh, all, um, and this is, I believe this was in a 107 precinct. The, the detective right. squad is holding the case. They have as an assistance the um, Queen's Homicide. They, they have a Queen's Homicide team. They work as an assistance, but the case is still being hold, held in the 107 precinct. So you're precinct. saying there's things they and can it, do even though we're not seeing arrests? There's a lot that's happening. There are a lot of entities that are working in hand in hand to get this thing done. To try to get it. You have, although Queen's Homicide doesn't hold the case, they do assist the detectives in the squad. You also have Crime Scene. Crime Crime scene came out that day, and they did. They did. Um, they had evidence collection. We were out there they, all day with they first at Hot 97, then Fox 5. The shell casings, the position of the body, etc. I mean, there was a look for one of the first things that people think about DNA evidence is one of the first things that people say. But latent prints is pretty quick. I can get latent print information. What do you mean latent print? Latent print. That's your fingerprint. Oh. The fingerprint information I can get really quick. I can get that maybe 30 days. However, the um, the DNA evidence takes longer because the DNA database covers not just the state, but the national database is looked into. And it takes much longer to get that information from the DNA database. And that can take upwards of three months. However, latent print stuff I can get in 30 days. All of this stuff is coming together. We still have, pe we still have people that get arrested till this day. And eventually, we're going to find someone that connects with this person's DNA. Somebody's, somebody's and that's something. where we're going to trip the switch and find this person. I have great confidence in your husband's killer is going to be brought to justice. So what, it's just so, taking time. It's been an arduous process. So, you, so you're basically saying that even if nobody says they're going to talk and nobody initially talks, there's going to be incentives. There can be incentives for people to talk because somebody knows something. Coupled somebody with the has to know something. Coupled right? with the circumstantial evidence, most of these people, from when I listen to this story, this strikes me as a grade one hitman. This doesn't strike me as the guy that just went out and, and bought a gun and shot. We chinks. just thought it sounded right. like a like sprayed. No, no, you know, like this a drive by. This and it wasn't. This was a you, targeted. Right, right. This yeah. strikes me as a hitman. This strikes me as somebody that has done this before. And it's just a matter of time. We're going to flip the switch and somebody's going to offer a proffer agreement to say, hey, look, you know what? I got this information on who killed Chinks. And mm. in order to get out, mm -hmm. Camilla, what about what do you think about that? Does it give I you mean, a little more hope of that it's going to get I solved? I hope there's hope. Really? You know, I think of Janelle and I think of those three kids. You know, I got two kids and you raising a three kids by yourself. I look at my wife and I'm like, Jesus, you know what I'm saying? So, man, I hope so. 
I hope so. I pray. I pray. I pray to catch the, the killer. In t- in terms of in terms of the did that did his murder send shockwaves through? people in the music business too and, and absolutely I mean, in terms of like wait a minute how could like if a good guy like him if this can happen to like a good guy who has clearly put the streets behind him right you know which even the detective said to us you know it's like there's there's the streets he, he that's that was all in the past right like all right. that stuff i mean yeah it shocked the industry you know you started to see artists from all over the country reach out put up his picture on ig you know like i said Chinks was very reachable. So many people took pictures with Chinks, and it just shocked us all, man. You know, this was random. Like I kept saying, it was random. It wasn't a robbery. I don't think this was random. Mm. I think this was a targeted attack. You think they yeah, took advantage? Absolutely, of, because Janelle, when you look what, what, at the calculation in this, this was a hit. Janelle, what do you think about it, it that? Well, what's your gut? Is it, what's your well, gut? I understand when he says random as far as, like, it wasn't something that anybody would have expected. Yeah, we didn't right. see it coming. But like, it's definitely, this was definitely something personal. This was this was somebody, somebody who planned this out. This was, he was watched, I believe, he was watched all night and followed from one location to the next because he started out in Brooklyn. But his last location was in Queens. They didn't see him in Queens and felt like, okay, let's follow him and let's let's get him now. No. I believe he was followed from Brooklyn. They knew whoever was looking for him knew he was going to be there through the flyer posted on his Instagram. They knew this would be his known location. And when he took the next move to the Queens location, they had to sit and wait for him. He didn't stay there at the second location for too long because it apparently was closed. The hookah bar, right, the the late night hookah hookah spot. And there's camera footage that shows him pulling up to the um, We had a little clip. Yeah, there's a little clip of him pulling up, him telling his security who's at his car that they can go, that he's all right because he was with his passenger who he was bringing back to the house with him and it was going to put him in a cab because he lives uptown in the Bronx. That's what he usually did for his friends. He would either drive them home, put them in a cab, or just bring them to the house and they'll leave in the morning, just so he wouldn't be by himself. And um, it shows him driving off, and that's it. You know, so as I said before, I truly believe that he was watched that whole night. This was something that was planned. They knew where he was going to be at on a specific date, and they felt like this was their move. And that's that's pretty much what the detectives had told me when we did when we interviewed them that that, that this was not some random this wasn't just all of a sudden exactly. at the club they liked his jewelry yeah. or something and right, decided right. they wanted to yeah. to follow him. There was him. no robbery. There and was no robbery. He exactly. Had on the, the watch, right? He had he, on like a big he, watch. He had on a Rolex. He had on a twenty thousand dollars chain, two of them to be exact. You know, he had money in his pocket. There was not a penny taken from him. Nothing was touched. Mm. It was a straight. They, there was 15, I believe there was 15 shots let off. That's that's a, a clip. They Almost emptied a out a whole clip. clip. Right. Like, they wanted him to they be gone. Yeah, they don't, no, they don't want to scare him. They wanted... Th- yeah, this wasn't a, let me scare him, let me rob him. This was, we want you out for oh, wow. whatever reason. All right, we're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the life and legacy of Chinks and the investigation into his murder. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now, you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Pyaw! 
Yeah. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. What we're focusing on in this episode, the life and legacy of Chinks. And we have an amazing panel to talk about all aspects of his life, as well as the ongoing murder investigation. Hot 97's own DJ Camillo. You hear Camillo commercial. That's, that's a tongue twister. You hear Camillo <laughs> commercial free. There you go. Okay. You hear Camillo commercial free. Um, his commercial free mix from 4 to 6 p.m. every day. You can hear him 24-7, 365 on the DJ Camillo app. And warning. Warning. <laughs> big warning. And um, he's also one of the heavy hitters DJs. Great to have you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Janelle Caceres Pickens. She is the wife of Chinks, working mom of three, and also the founder of the Lionel Pickens Foundation. And she has been fighting since the moment this happened for justice for her husband. Janelle, great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Darren Porcher, criminal justice professor, former NYPD lieutenant, and a hip hop security specialist. Janelle, in terms of what's going on with his music now, because music is eternal, it lives on. Tell us what you've been working on with his music or what's going on with that now. Well, since this all happened, we've released two albums. There's two official albums out. There are two full documentaries. Um, Revolt pushed out one. The other one we did privately um, <clears throat> on our own. And, um, you know, we have the foundation, which is something huge for us in this next year that we plan to launch fully and really get active in the community with the gun violence, reaching out to homes that are affected by gun violence. You know, I've met a lot of people, unfortunately, who have experienced my same pain. You know, there's kids being left without a father. There's kids being left without a mother due to gun violence, you know, and it's hard. Everybody's not fortunate enough to pick up the pieces, you know, and be able to keep going from where they left off at, or even, not even only financially, but mentally. It's, it's a huge breakdown, you know, and if you don't have the proper support system, it can take a toll on you, and it can affect you in a very bad way for everybody involved so that's my goal is to start to create these support groups that help these families overcome this grief that they're going through because I know it firsthand I've watched it with myself my kids you know I didn't get a chance to mourn the way the average does from day one I've had to do reports I've had to do interviews I've had to put out music I, I've had to piece this whole thing together just to not let everything he worked so hard for go to waste that's what I refuse to do. You know, he still has a legacy that needs to be carried on. And where did you get the strength for this? Because um, that's a lot. Any one of those <laughs> things, just right. any one of those things yeah. is I, like I a super heavy him. burden. Him, definitely. Um, he was just one of those people that was just like... He was a hustler. Yeah, there's, there's no crying about anything. Like, <clears throat> you know, he always used to tell me that. Like, do you see me crying? Like, I get up, I do what I got to do, and I make it work. As hard as it is, you know, and it, it's... Sometimes it's overwhelming because I have everything that I want to do, my own dreams that I want to chase, on top of now living out his dream. So it's hard, you know, and I have three kids that I also have to attend to. So they have three different worlds. they doing <laughs> right. three different things, and I'm just everywhere. But, you know, as a mother, that's just what I have to do. And you're just, hand just handling it and, and doing it in such an amazing way. And Thank and you. to do to go through all that and be in the public eye and and – you know, keep your head up and handle it in such a, a classy way. I really, really have to take my hat off to Thank you, you on that one. Camilo, in, ter in terms of Chinks' music, I mean, that's a lot of music. To, I mean, yeah, man. I mean, he had a lot of, he was work. he, he had a reputation as, 
Right, and he was a, a heavy worker. Right, and he was, you know, w- w- us from, being from New York, we had our 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 goals on him also, because like you know, we right, wanted him to win. If he wins, New York wins, right. Queens wins, Coke Boys wins, and um, you know, we miss that man. We miss him. Because I think there was that there was such a strong sense yeah. that that hit me right away that day is when we were talking about it on Hot ninety seven. Is it's just that sense people were like he was he was going to be New York's he was becoming he was the next guy he's one of the next guys you know yeah like one of the big next guys out out of New York and and it was just so sad that 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 happened at that particular and and you know I I, you know I want artists to learn from this too because even myself just getting all this information like you can't slip at night man you know just when you thought okay I got security I'm good I'm good I'm good tonight I'm gonna send them off you know look look at what happened you know and and I learned. Myself, I'm like, I'm out every night. You are, you're out late. You know, you know, and you know, of course, we watch, watch ourselves, but still, you can never, never be too safe. Mm-mm. And then also, and and then just that whole that whole piece too. It's like sometimes I'm sure when you have bodyguards around you all the time, there, and you want to have, you're like, you know what? I have a nice car. I want to, I want to enjoy just driving my car like a normal person. You, you know, a lot of artists get caught up with the security. They feel that the security may know too much about them. And after the security separates from the artist, they may want to do a tell-all book or put their business <laughs> in the street and things because it actually happens. It really right. does. And that so really how do you guard against that. No, for, you got to really all our aspiring, you got to drill artists. you got to drill down on who you bring in. You want to bring in quality people. It's not just somebody that has a gun, but somebody that has an understanding of the environment that, that you're in. Too. Well, yeah, of course you need that, but somebody that understands the culture that you're a part of. You have people that just don't understand hip hop culture just because they have a gun license or an ex-cop, that doesn't mean that they're going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. You need somebody that's grounded to the culture and bigger than anything, everything else, they have to have your first interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Or are they, Is this somebody that when your family is around, they interact with your family? Or do they have a genuine concern for what you're doing? That's what you want. You don't want someone that's really overly concerned with how many women you have or a lot of the other nonsense. How much it's cash like, you have. Right, right. You, right. It's, the primary focus is, look, I want to protect you the best way that I can. I want to help you and your loved ones. Because you can clearly see there's some people that are just in this thing for the money and some people that are in this thing because they believe in it. You need somebody that's really about it. And that's who you hire. Yeah, And they're both. Yeah. And, and Janelle, in terms of the, uh, in terms of you know, moving through the the future, moving into the future too. It's like you're you're working on projects. You have this this going too. And the, do the kids ask about the music, or do do they hear about it? Oh yeah, definitely. They're they're probably like his biggest fans. You know, they're, <laughs> they're always listening to his music. His son knows his music. You know, he knows when he hears a song, whether he heard it before or not. He's he's like, that's my dad. You know, and he's. He's the highlight of social media, so everywhere he goes, they know who he is. And his <laughs> his first thing is, you know who my dad is? Chinks. Chinks is my dad. You know, he's so proud oh, to say that that's, cool. that's his that's dad, so you know. Awesome. And yeah. those are the things that keep me going. It's just them, you know, seeing the things that, see, seeing how they have overcame this tragedy and they stay so strong and they still so focused, you know. They haven't allowed it to break them down or stop them from doing what they know they're supposed to do, being good in school, doing what they have to do at home. They're all involved in extra activities outside of school that keep them grounded in, you know, in these career paths that they want to go down. My daughter's into modeling, the other one's into acting, so we're involved. We stay active. (laughs) That's fantastic. And are there the the tough moments with them, or, or were those mostly more in the beginning? 
Um, yeah, no, there's definitely sometimes, you know. Um, my, like my son said the other day, he's like, I'm just thinking about my dad. He said, I feel like I'm going to cry now. And it kills you because he's six. So he says these things, and I hear him. He, he talks to himself in his room, and I'm like, are you talking to yourself? And he's like, do you really think I'm talking to myself? He's like, he's like I'm, I'm not talking, talking to, to myself. He's like, I'm talking to my dad. And he has his pictures all in his room, and he'll sit there and he'll talk to his pictures. And it's a little scary, but you have to let him have that because if he says that that's what it is, that's the only relationship that he has right now with him, then you have to let him be. But it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because it's not fair that this is what they were left with. You know, the six-year-old like that. Yeah. And that keeps you going, too, when you, you have your doubts, right? You have your moments, you're just yeah. exhaustion. Yeah. And, like, it's just like, I, I, I got to get justice for them. Yeah. For me, I just feel like it doesn't get any worse than this. So we can only push forward. Like mm. it, it, I can't get no lower. You understand? This is a situation. This is a marriage, uh, a relationship that I was in since I was 15 years old. 15? Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> this year would have been 15 years that we were together. That's half my life. So it's like this is what I knew. So it's like you can't – I have no time to sit there and stress and be depressed and just wallow in this pain. I have to keep pushing. Strong woman, Janelle. You're a strong you. woman. Strong woman. That's really a, salute that you. is amazing. Thank you. That's yeah, incredible. Definitely. No, a lot of uh, – really. His legacy is important to me. I just really feel like I feel 15, 20 years from now – the way we mentioned Big and Pac, I want there to still be a chinks. We still listening to the music. Maybe possibly a movie is out. You know, I, I, I want him to always be remembered because I know how bad he wanted this. And it kills me that he was taken right before his first album was supposed to come out. All the years that he worked to have an official album on the streets, and he never got to see that happen. So we, it was only right that we made it happen. And you know, his kids get to live through his legacy. And then they get they get to see it too, and and Camilla, you're the Queens guy here. The in terms of where he came from too, from from the housing developments in in Far Rockaway, mm -hmm. some of the most challenged areas in the city. Tough tough part of Queens, really very tough, tough part. part of Queens. I want to say Far Rockaway is probably one of the last real <laughs> hood. hood hood. You, you know. know, Far Rockaway is left out, and I just go back to working <laughs> in the NYPD. <laughs> I worked in the Bronx, I worked in Brooklyn, right. and when I went at, when I've gone out to, I've picked people up in Far Rockaway. Mm -hmm. It was amazing how violent that strip, that Peninsula Boulevard was. I couldn't believe yep. what I was seeing. And it was something that I was so far removed from. It's it, it, it's a it's a violent secret out there on Far Rockaway. But it just and, shows it just shows that, the it shows how far he came. Right. He had the ability to separate from that mm -hmm. and do something progressive for his wife and his kids. And we gotta salute him for that because that was a very commendable act. Because it's a very difficult bucket to crawl out from. Camilla, what about that, the the, the, the neighborhood? The neighborhood. That well, makes you the know, achievement even more. I, I see it as New York changing a lot. Those bad hoods, like back in the days, like the Bushwicks, right. and, you know, are not as bad as they used to right. be. But Far Rockaway, in my opinion, still is because one of those. Because it's separated right. from the, the mainland like of New York, so whole, to speak. Exactly. So I think Far Rockaway still by far is one of the baddest neighborhoods in New York. All right, let's say we're just about out of time. Camillo, do you believe that they're going to, by year three, the third anniversary, we'll see somebody in handcuffs? Listen, all The I right could, person in handcuffs. All I could do is hope and pray, you know, and especially for the kids. Thank you. All right, Janelli? Yes. You know, we're going to continue to work with the detectives, and we're going to continue to fight and pray that this gets solved. Darren? I think it's going to be solved. 
I genuinely believe. I think modern technology has evolved so much in policing that it's just a matter of time. Um, we have tools at our disposable at, 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 at our disposal in law enforcement that, that we didn't have two and three years ago. Facial recognition is strong nowadays, and we didn't have that before. Oh, so your so, short answer is yes. Absolutely. You do think it's going to be solved? Okay, we're <laughs> we're out of time. Thank you, Professor. Um, thank you all very much for thank being part of this Lisa. episode of Street Soldiers. You know, you know, we're going to stay on this case. And we're going to stay on it until uh, probably a long, long time, just following through the progress of the family, of Janelli and the kids, the music, and also the investigation. So thank you very much for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace.